Capital Land Cafe. My name is Huda, and on the show, I speak to stalwarts in the real estate industry, and they talk to me about their journey, uh, the ups and downs, the decisions they've made to getting to where they are today. On the show with me today is a very fashionable CEO. He always manages to look good and comes up with the best shirts, like today. Joining me all the way from Singapore, his name is Chris Chong, CEO, Retail and Workspace Singapore and Malaysia Capital Land Investment. Welcome to the show. Chris. Hi, hi. Nice to meet to meet everyone. Well, as usual, you look good, and uh, I want to start off by saying, "Bienvenue et ça va." Hey, bienvenue. Merci, merci beaucoup. Well, he is uh, somebody who also speaks French, and that's how fancy he is. So, how did this uh, French connection happen? How do you learn the language and speak like a native today? Well, um, I stayed almost ten uh, years in France, and uh, my adventure with uh, the French actually started when I was just a student. So, when I was thirteen, uh, I started to take French as a third language. And from there on, my love for the language, my curiosity for the country, for the culture, uh, kind of prompted me, you know, to in a heartbeat take up the French scholarship by the EDB when it was offered to me after my A levels. So from there on, you know, I spent about five years studying uh, engineering uh, in Lyon at first, and then after that uh, in Paris, um, and. When I came back, um, I had to work with the EDB for about five years, mm. and as fate would have it, um, after almost just one year, they sent me back to France again in Paris. But this time round, you know, as a working professional for about uh, four and a half years, mm. um, and I continued to stay in France uh, for a little while more uh, with the Louis Vuitton, Wayne Hennessy, LVMH Group, um, and that pretty much, you know, sums up um, my. Adventure with them. <laughs> you make that sound so easy. Now um, we're going to speak more about the French a little later, but let's get to work first. Retail, right? Uh, with the onset of COVID, there was a lot in terms of advancements that happened, uh, right? From digital to doorstep deliveries to all of this, right? Do you think that there is more that needs to be tapped? Well, certainly, you know, because retail is always a very cyclical industry. So we will always see the ups, the downs. What's relevant ten years ago may not be relevant today. So we always need to keep the pulse, you know, uh, in terms of what the consumers would like to buy, in terms of what the shoppers are looking for, uh, right. in terms of even the relevance of the various retail concepts. And I think that's where it gives us the opportunity. To keep uh, looking out for changes, innovations, and when you look at retail on its own, it mm. is a sector with a lot of touch points. You know, from marketing to logistics to the point of sales to how you engage the customers. I would say that you know um, that's what makes the whole uh, sector, even as a retail real estate sector, very exciting to look forward to. Right, and do you think, as the CEO of this sector, you need to be Extremely dynamic, open to new ideas, and constantly renovating to probably you know be the first ones to do what any what whatever needs to be done. Yeah, that's for sure. Because where retail is concerned, you know, um, consumers would always look for the newest, the latest, and I guess it's also part of the whole you know marketing uh, psyche, right? That um, what's latest, what's on trend, you know, what's relevant. 
uh, we will have to keep ourselves updated. Um, for sure, when people make the decision to buy something, you know, the the decision to make a purchase, we have to be very closely linked, you know, to how well they feel about themselves, you know, about the fulfilling their needs mm. uh, as far as their wants. So right. as long as we always keep that in mind, I don't think we will go wrong. But how we do that could be through various use of technology such as digital, uh, e-commerce, the various platforms, as well as on-site, you know, on the physical front, from the way that you put some of your marketing visuals, uh, even to details, you know, like your visual merchandising, what kind of colors do you put in the windows today? All these will have an effect, you know, on the sales uh, that you will see in the malls. And I think uh, that really requires a very strong collaboration with the various uh, retailers. And at the end of the day, we don't see ourselves as just landlords. We see ourselves as partners with right. the retailers. Right. So would you say that your uh, background probably in the luxury goods sector helps when it comes to understanding what you need to put out, what you, you know, in a sense of fashion and design, does that help? I would say definitely so, because uh, my exposure to the world of retail really started uh, when I uh, was with LVMH for a couple of years. And it was uh, there that I was exposed to various sectors you know, of, of retail. Even though it was one company, um, it is a very diverse group. Right. So from uh, fashion to leather goods to um, selective distribution such as uh, Sephora to FMCG um, and also high jewelry, watch and jewelry. I mean, the exposure to the different uh, retail cycles, to the different retail channels um, really made me appreciate what are the different touch points that we should be talking about when it comes to F&B, when it comes to uh, beauty, cosmetics, or to fashion itself, and also the different lifestyle traits, right? Mm. Uh, so that really gives me a good exposure and grounding. And with that understanding, it helps uh, us in making the right kind of uh, decisions and also to frame uh, the various discussions when we meet with the retailers. Right. And do you still keep up with fashion trends even today? Well, I, I try to. I try to. And it I looks like you I, do for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, I mean, how I do that would really be, you know, um, looking at what's uh, available as uh, mm. part of our offerings in the various malls, whether these are downtown or shop urban. Right, right. Now let's move on to workspaces, right? Mm -hmm. um, again, with the impact of COVID, we've realized uh, what is it like to set up a home office, the conveniences, the inconveniences. Handling workspaces, right? How mm. ha do you think it is in today's world when you see that some countries COVID is not really a problem anymore and in some countries like Shanghai at the moment it is? So how do you handle that as an asset? Well, I would say that um, when we look at the workspace, um, it is really about the lifestyle that uh, the people of today you know, are embracing and, and following up. Um, unfortunately, because of the COVID situation, you know, there are various restrictions uh, to varying degrees that are being implemented uh, in different countries around the world. So for the past two years, we've been spending a lot of time thinking about what we are not able to do um, looking at restrictions, you know, um, trying to work around these restrictions and to see how we can work remotely, etc. Um, but that on its own also give us uh, a great opportunity to accelerate and to uh, act as a catalyst 
for things that we always wanted to do but never really found that right moment or right opportunity. So if you take um, remote uh, uh, commuting, uh, like remote work, working from home as an example, uh, it really made a, a perfect uh, scenario for, for that. And uh, we all learned, you know, how to work with Zoom, uh, yeah. with various uh, technology. But yeah. end of the day, is this going to be a trend or is it just a COVID response, right? Uh, so we got to be very clear. And I don't think the answer would be one or the other. It's definitely going to be a hybrid. Um, mm. And some things will definitely stay. Uh, a lot of companies are now saying that, you know, uh, in, as a long-term arrangement, uh, we will continue or they will continue to look at uh, some days working from home. Uh, but the face-to-face -face interaction is still very important. Yeah. Uh, the role of the workplace has therefore become even more important as a social lubricant, you know, uh, to bond and gel together uh, the employees. And I think um, the workplace is no longer viewed as just providing, you know, just uh, a desk for computers and laptops, but it is being seen as a location or a place for interaction and community right. building, which is very important because there's definitely a shift from just uh, a very cold and, and I would say rigid, stiff uh, structure where you see people, you know, sitting down in rows and rows versus um, this whole new interpretation of workplace as a location where brainstorming can happen, yeah. uh, the creation of a culture, the definition of what is a corporate culture can happen, um, you know, having your employees, you know, come together, have great memories about working in your company uh, can happen. And I think right. if you go on that track, and if we were to position workspace in that direction, uh, at least for the commercial part, I think we won't go wrong. Uh, where the industrials and the um, logistics uh, uh, assets are concerned, then certainly they will also have a role to play in terms of how that fits into the whole industry cycle. Uh, and with all these changes in the retail as well as the uh, office space, I think that's how we can look towards the sustainable future. You're listening to Capital Land Cafe in conversation with Chris Chong. Now, you mentioned something very interesting, Chris. You spoke about community building. Mm -hmm. When we all work in the same organization, I think one of the core uh, things that binds us together is the culture, be it not just an organization, even for the country, right? Um, now, in a workspace, do you think that people want to come back to that particular workspace? Because today I could be working at a bridge plus, tomorrow I could go somewhere else because I'm getting what I, I want to get, you know, fundamentally. But... This sense of community, do you think that is what we need to harp on when it comes to workspaces? I think definitely it is um, an aspect that we have to continue to, to focus on. Um, end of the day, you know, we are all called organizations, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, an organization is a form of community. And yeah. while we all will define, you know, corporates uh, or businesses uh, as existing for just, you know, the creation of profits, um, but at the same time, you know, the process of getting that done will involve huge efforts from like-minded communities or like-minded groups of people. Right. And I think if uh, we don't get that right, you will see that, you know, in terms of uh, keeping your staff, in terms of uh, keeping up with uh, the level of hiring, recruitment, um, definitely that will pull down the organization uh, mm. if it's not done in the right manner. So the workplace, I would see that as a starting point. 
If you get the whole atmosphere, the whole uh, ambience right, that is a starting point, and mm. rest of it will be how, uh, whether they are all physically together or they are working, you know, in a hub and spoke uh, kind of uh, style, uh, you will be able to see the sparks that happens amongst the employees, and and right. I think that will still be one of the key focus for companies. Right now, um, speaking about key focuses, a big focus of your life at one point of time was perfumes and jewelry and watchmaking and and wineries in Argentina. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit. Well, um, well, that happened, you know, when uh, I was with the uh, LVMH Group, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, at some point in time an intern auditor with them so i started uh, visiting the various sites learning about the operations you know and also the expectations of how you know the different kind of processes uh, are to be uh, followed as extra so that gave me a huge um, exposure and and learning it was a great uh, learning uh, journey for me uh, about how uh, the world of luxury functions um, and and that was also one of the key reasons that I learned retail is detail because mm. um, while it looks so easy in terms of how you know sometimes the marketing and sometimes the the product seems to be uh, coming across, but uh, to get all this done um, mm. takes a lot of efforts behind the scenes. Yeah, it's really a lot of attention to the details. Yeah, right. Now speaking about these details, as an auditor, are there some details that you can spill out? Well, I would say um, the key thing that uh, I learned is that um, when it comes to luxury, it is really about consistency. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people think about you know luxury as kind of like you know just another category of of like uh, consumer goods. Yeah. Uh, well, that's true. I think there's a lot of uh, things that kind of defy the usual logic that we apply. Um, from the price elasticity, sometimes the higher price it is, you know, the higher the demand. Yeah. Uh, also. Um, the constant thing that change is that you know you don't change. Um, mm. The luxury uh, concept is concerned. Uh, so these are you know paradoxes in themselves. But if you get that right, uh, I would say that's where you know um, the momentum continues. You're listening to Capital and Cafe in conversation with Chris Chong. Now I like how you said that the, they are paradoxes within themselves, and it's so it's such a complex world. But it's I think consistency, like you said. I want to ask you this now. Um, there have been many pit stops in between in your entire journey of you know um, Louis Vuitton to today to where we are. Can we talk about that journey a little bit? Um, yes. So from there, I would say. I realized that um, it was also a self-learning uh, journey where I realized that um, what I enjoyed doing was not just about uh, looking at a certain product, you know, day in day out. Um, maybe because of my background as well uh, with the EDB, I realized that I love to work on projects. Mm. Um, I like to work with people, you know. I like to look at projects and and to see from the conception all the way to completion. Uh, and then after that, move on, or at the same time, handling multiple projects. And I think that's where you know uh, my interest in uh, real estate started. Right. So after my stint with uh, the the retail uh, industry, then I was kind of taking a little break and thinking to myself, so what do I really want to do? Um, and that's where um, opportunities arise. And uh, retail real estate, uh, in terms of uh, retail management, came about. Uh, and and that was where I. Felt you know I, I found a calling in terms of um, being able to put in place you know the enhancements in the assets uh, in the shopping malls 
uh, was something that I was able to do uh, in a very efficient and short time. Hmm. Uh, at the same time, enjoy that whole process. Right. It's a very interesting journey because, you know, to, when we go back, you were somebody who was doing computer engineering. That's right. <laughs> From that to, you know, the world's top fashion brand to, you know, where we are today. Um, I want to ask you this now. Um, quite, quite uh, interesting in this sense of uh, a question. You've been an expat for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Your leadership style, I think, uh, you know, do you draw inferences from being an expat and use that where you are today? I would say the key thing that uh, probably um, sets me apart is that um, because I've stayed in a few countries um, and if I were to add them all together, it's about more than you know, nine, ten years. Um, I tend to look at things not as a majority, uh, mm-hmm. but from a perspective that has to be benchmark with what's going on out there internationally. So I, I don't just think of just a local market or whether this is something that we do in Singapore, but uh, is this something that is good enough uh, in the region? Is it good enough when we put ourselves, you know, in the context of what other organizations are doing? So mm-hmm. I guess um, what I, I always try to bring to the table uh, would be that aspect of, uh, you know, what do what, what goes around, you know, elsewhere. And uh, sometimes, you know, because we are so ingrained in what we do day to day in the local context, um, we tend to take discussions in a certain way. Uh, and I would say it's always important that we sometimes take one step back so that yeah. we can have that perspective uh, and not be too focused and, and you know, uh, fixated in what we need to do now. Uh, it is not just this, but that helicopter view. Right. Uh, and that's something which I feel, you know, uh, when you have gone around uh, in a few places, you'll be able to appreciate and also bring, you know, to the table. Right, right. The helicopter view is something that Kaiming Wen was also talking about, and that's his mm-hmm. uh, leadership style as well. Now we're going to move into our contest round. Mm-hmm. Um, this is quite uh, a funny one, if I can say so myself. And we're going to put your French skills and your brand skills to the test at the oh, same ah. time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. You need to promise me that you won't laugh, though. Oh, okay. I promise. Okay. So uh, you spoke too soon. <laughs> I'm going to give you French brand names uh, the way that 90% of the world pronounces, including me. Right? right. And you need to give me the actual French pronunciation. Okay. Okay. Let's dive right into it. Brand number one, Long Champ. Well, that should be Longchamp. Mont Blanc. That should be Mont Blanc. Celine. That's Celine. <laughs> close. Yeah. Close, yeah. Okay, this one's quite complicated. Mm-hmm. Yves Saint Laurent. Um, it should be Yves Saint Laurent. Nobody can say it like that, except the French. Okay, Christian Louis Bouton. The first one is quite close, so it's Christian Louboutin. Louboutin, okay. John or Jean Paul Gautier. It's Jean Paul Gautier. Christian Dior. Well, that's really good. I think you got it right. It's Christian Dior. <laughs> okay. Hermes. Hermes. Mm. A lot of people say that, but actually it's Hermes. Yeah, it's like you clean up Hermes right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So age is usually silent. Yeah. Okay. Chloe. Not too bad. 
the actual pronunciation is Chloe. Okay, this one is really difficult. Guerlain. G U E R L A I N. Wow, okay. Actually it's pronounced Guerlain. <laughs> That's close <laughs> to impossible. Okay. Lanbin. It's Lonvin. L'Oreal. I have to, I've said that right. Almost uh is L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Okay, Lan Kum. Mm, not too bad is Lan Kum. Kum. <laughs> Cartier. Not too bad also is Cartier. Okay. And the last one and this one I have to get it right. Louis Vuitton. Ah, that's it because you own one, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, so the pronunciation is Louis Vuitton. Okay, Louis Vuitton. Well, the thing is that because I've been learning French myself, I'm beginning to get the pronunciation right, but I do know that the earlier me, the non-French me, uh, mm-hmm. used to pronounce it the way I just did know. Very good. So you have been uh, <laughs> learning and uh, secretly a full debutant. <laughs> yes. Now the fake one. Now uh, I want to ask you this very important, crucial question. It's a fashion question. Why does Superman wear his underwear outside? <laughs> Because um, he's active everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. It's been a pleasure having you. And before we let you go, um, my last question. Your advice to our listeners. Well, my advice to listen to all the listeners out there is, um, I know things can sometimes be very tough, but be resilient and stay positive. Be resilient and stay positive. All right, Chris Chong on the show. We're building conversations over coffee. We're signing out of the Capital Land Cafe uh, with Chris Chong, CEO Retail and Workspace Singapore and Malaysia Capital Land Investment. My name is Huda. Capital Land Cafe. Coffee. Capital Land Cafe. Conversations. Capital Land Cafe. And a whole lot of fun. Capital Land Cafe.